0: You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, good morning, Radiant Church. You guys feeling well this morning? Yes, good, good, good. Well, my name is Marco. I'm the lead pastor here Again, thank you for making Radiant a part of your weekend. Let me begin this morning by just saying a huge thank you to all of you who attended last weekend's services and attended our four-year anniversary celebration service. Yes, you can clap your hands. Good stuff, good stuff. Let me say a huge thank you, huge, a huge thank you to um, some of you caught that. A huge thank you to all of you who served. Can we make some noise for our servants in this house? Come on. Yes. Come on. We can't do it without you, servants. Those who served. Listen, we had people setting up tents the day before. We had people cooking burgers, cooking dogs, people bringing their Blackstones in. Come on, somebody. I love a Blackstone. Um, people were serving food. People were cleaning up. I mean, there was just so much involved. We had the worship team, the media team. They were working overtime, you guys. They they were here in the morning. They came back around 4 o'clock. They had another long rehearsal. I mean, we had so many people putting in hard work and sacrifice. And without you guys, there would be no celebration service. Just period, okay? So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Team Radiant, those who served last week, you guys showed up. And in so many ways, you know, Um, those who served, those who are serving currently really and truly epitomize our next core value that we're going to talk about this morning, which brings me to our message, which is part five of our sermon series entitled Be Radiant. We got two more weeks of Be Radiant, and uh, we're in part number five today, and we are talking about the core values of Radiant Church. What does it mean to be radiant, and last week we talked about that we are a family-oriented church, and we had Andy and Sarah Schaefer up here, awesome couple, beautiful family, they talked to us about what it means to be a family-oriented church. If you haven't watched the podcast, make sure you check it out on YouTube, or you can listen to it on any of your devices as well, but I love, love, love the reminder that Andy and Sarah had for each of us, and that is this. Is that discipleship begins at home? Amen? Amen. Discipleship begins at home. It doesn't start with the church. You're never gonna uh, uh, replace or try to fulfill, uh, you know, with one hour what you should be doing every single day with your family or with your children. It just does not work that way. We'll never be able to compete with parents. Instead, we partner with parents to see children, to see young people filled with the Holy Spirit and serving Jesus. And so make sure you check that out. Today's core value is this. We are a servant-hearted church. We are a a servant-hearted church. You know, Jesus was a servant himself. In fact, many scholars and theologians called Jesus, uh, especially in Isaiah, the the uh, the prophet Isaiah, or the, the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, Jesus was known as the suffering servant. In fact, Mark's gospel, that's what many scholars call Jesus as well, the suffering servant. And we're going to go ahead and look at Mark chapter 9 this morning. And we're going to begin in just a moment in verse number 30. Um, we'll have the verses behind me. I want you to follow along with me. I want you to pay attention to this story of what's happening in this story. And uh, if you have a f- smartphone, you can open that up as well and make sure you're, you're attentive. Make sure you're, you're, you're paying attention to what's happening here. This is a really good story. I think so much to teach. Mark chapter 9. This is beginning in verse number 30. We're going to go all the way to thir- verse 37, okay? Let's go ahead and read that. They. Who's they? They is Jesus and his disciples, okay? Jesus and his disciples. They left that place and they passed through Galilee. And Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were, trying to get away from all the crowds, because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. He's talking about himself. After three days, he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. (laughs) Interesting question, isn't it? Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last. And, check this out, it's underlined as well in, uh, in the verses behind me, and what? The servant of all. Servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them, Took probably took the child in his arms. Taking the child in his arms, right, he said to them, whoever welcomes or receives in other translations, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. He's referring to his father here, correct? Okay. That's the end of our passage here. We're going to dive into this in just a few more moments. Let's just take a few seconds, church. Let's pray as we dive into Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. Such a significant story here on the value of, of being a servant-hearted church. That's who we are. That's who we're aiming to be, okay? Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much, God, for this time um, together. God, thank you for your spirit already here, your presence among us. God, God, open up our hearts, soften our hearts. God, um, that we might just, um, God, lay down, Lord, whatever, uh, whatever we have that is maybe hindering us from coming to you this morning, God. For some of us, that might be pride. For some of us, that might be arrogance. For some of us, that's we were hurt by a church in the past. For some of us, we're skeptics, Lord. I don't know what it is, Um, but God, there's a, a few of us this morning that perhaps we're putting up barriers to hearing from you this morning. So God, would you melt hearts, and would you open hearts, and would you Open blind eyes, unlock deaf ears, so that we might know you and see you, so that we might see the glory of Jesus uh, in this place, God, and that we might leave changed, Lord. Certainly different than when we came in through the doors, God. And we know that your word is going to convict us, it's going to challenge us. And we know that by your spirit, you will transform us if we uh, participate with you, God, if we surrender. So, Lord. Give us surrendered hearts this morning, we pray, in the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen. Amen. Psychologists tell us that there are six basic human needs that every person on the planet is seeking to fulfill. Six basic human needs. I'm going to go ahead and list them for you. The first one is certainty. We need to know we need to have certainty in life. The second one is variety. The third one is connection. we want to be connected to other people. All of us want that. We desire that. We want growth. That's growth in our own personal lives, growth in our careers, whatever, whatever that might mean for you. Contribution. We want to contribute to something greater than, than ourselves. And, and the last one, the sixth one here, is significance. Significance. In fact, the need for significance is one of the most sought-after human needs. In fact, there, there's not a person on the planet who does not want to feel important, who doesn't want to feel needed, who doesn't want to feel like they, they fit in, like, they're contributing, they, they belong, that they are truly needed. Why is this feeling so, com- so compelling? And why is it that, that when we feel insignificant, it's devastating? That's some of the issues that we deal with in the local church. I feel insignificant, I feel like I don't belong, I feel like I don't fit in. It's a human need. All of us are, are chasing after the need for significance. You see, the idea is, is that once you better understand uh, how or why you're driven to feel significance to those around you, you can better interpret and understand your own actions. This is the idea of being self-aware. anybody know what I'm talking about, being self-aware? That's a kind of a big um, topic right now in leadership even in, I think, just uh, common or, or, or today's Christianity, self-awareness is huge right now. Everybody's talking about self-awareness. It's only when you're self-aware that you can actually, what? You can begin to seek healing for the areas where you need healing. Or you can seek counsel for the areas where you need counsel. You, you can get some help. Come on, somebody, right? But you have to be, What? aware, self-aware. If you're not self-aware, then then you're unaware. And that's not not good. God wants you to be self-aware. He wants you to be aware. Now, there are two primary ways that you can find or feel significant. Two primary ways that you can feel significant. One is through productive means and the other is through destructive means. Let me describe that for you real quick here. You can seek to feel significant through productive means. And for most of us, what that means is this: We seek to find significance in our what our accomplishments, OK? the things that we've achieved we perform well at work and we want people to what to recognize us we want our boss to re- to say something hey it's the employee of the month your, your picture gets on the wall hey this is jim and he's the employee of the month he's been killing it he's sold more insurance than everybody else in the, in the, the place before whatever it is he sold many you know more cars than everyone else whatever it might be in your line of work we seek significance through productive things like our our accomplishments our achievements right we we want to sell more we I want to do more. I want to feel like I'm significant. We're the best in the business. That's, we're, many of us, we can relate to that, can't we? We can relate to that. But however, we can also seek significance. Come on, I'm feeling on fire this morning. I'm feeling the Holy Spirit, so I'm just going to go for it. We can also seek significance through destructive means. And that is, what, what happens here is when we want to seek significance through destructive means, we seek reckless behavior because we know that it will bring us attention. Parents, come on, our kids do this. Our kids do this, right? They act out or they act a fool, you know what I'm saying? Why? Because they want attention. Why? Because they're seeking significance. I want mom to pay attention to me. I want dad to put the darn iPhone down and listen to me. I want to feel like I'm important. And so I'm going to act up. I'm going to seek reckless behavior. I want you to keep that in mind. Keep, keep this conversation in mind. And I want us to go back to Mark chapter 9 right now, okay? As we look at the disciples, these young men Because they're no different from us. And here's what I'm saying. They're no different from us in the sense that they too were what? Searching for significance. And they were doing so many times in all the wrong ways. And my guess is, is that many of us are seeking significance in all the wrong ways. We want to feel like we matter. We want to feel important. We want to feel like we're needed. We just do it in the wrong way. We're just, sometimes for some of you in here, maybe you, you are seeking reckless behavior so you can get some attention from someone because on the inside you feel like you're bleeding out. Others of you, you're seeking significance through the money that you make, or the achievements, the accolades, the accomplishments, the grades, right? Students, the grades, the four point oh, the four point two. Can I get a higher grade point average than that? Can I get the scholarship? Can I get recognized by someone? Can I make more money than I did last year? Can, I, can somebody praise me? Can somebody, I want to show off my new Tesla. And if you do, by the way, I'd like a ride, by the way. But anyways, <laughs> just a side note. I, I want significance. And many of us, listen, many of us are looking for it in the wrong way. And the disciples were the same as us, you guys. They were looking for significance, but, but many times in the wrong way. They were wondering about this question, how can I become great? I want to be great. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I want to be great. And, and my, 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 my guess is that you want to be great too. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's wired in us as human beings, right? Right? So let's look back at Mark chapter 9, because here in Mark chapter 9, Jesus is predicting his death, and this is actually the second time he's done so in the gospel of Mark. In fact, in uh, Mark chapter 8, Jesus predicts his death, and, and Peter, you got to love Peter, right? Peter is bold. Peter is a rambunctious. Peter's just, I mean, I don't know if you've watched in The Chosen, but Peter's ripped in The Chosen, by the way. Goodness gracious. Like, his biceps are like, wow. Wow. All right? Anyhow, just saying, just saying, that's all. Anyways, listen, Peter's just kind of the wild one. He pulls Jesus aside. He's like, this is not going to happen to my watch. You're not, you're not going down like that, Jesus. I'm ready. I'm going to throw down for you. If they come for you, it's on, man. What we're going to throw down. And Jesus pulls him aside. And what does he do? He rebukes him. Jesus calls Peter Satan. If Jesus calls you Satan, that's a bad day. Come on, right? right? Like That's not a good day for you, by the way. He says, get behind me, Satan. Because why? He says, because you, you don't have in mind, you don't have the concerns of the, the kingdom of God. You only have human concerns on your mind. You, you're thinking the wrong way, Peter. You're thinking naturally, and I want you to think about this the way God would think about this. So Jesus pulls him aside, whoops, and he rebukes him, Tells him to get behind me, Satan. So the, the disciples don't quite understand what Jesus means here. They're a bit dull. Not only that, but listen, they're preoccupied with other thoughts like what? Like, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? That's what they're really thinking about. Who's the greatest? Is it Peter's like, is it me? Is it James? Is he because I, I can't be James. Come on, Jesus. Look at James. I mean, come on. Is it John? not john is it not i can't be john i want to be greater than john peter is thinking so they're preoccupied with this question and they come to this house in 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 capernaum which by the way i was i was there in capernaum and and we, we spent some time in galilee when we were in israel as well beautiful area and they spend they go in this house and jesus actually asked them hey uh what were you guys arguing about there back there what was up with that as if Jesus doesn't know, right? Come on, like, he knows. And, and then what does Mark tell us here in, in Mark chapter 9? Well, Mark says uh, that the disciples remain quiet. And I think it's kind of funny that they remain quiet because I, I, I actually think that they're a bit embarrassed to speak up. Why? Because they knew that Jesus would school them. I really think that. I think they know. And I think that they're starting to realize that the whole argument is actually very immature. It's it's very petty. And so they're they're probably like, you know, Jesus is like, hey, what, what were you guys arguing about there? Can you just kind of picture this in your head? The disciples are like, I don't know. I don't know. Right? It's just kind of like, um, did, you, did you ask me something Jesus? I don't know. What is he talking about? Right? So they're keeping quiet. And then what happens? If, here's a teachable moment, teachable moment. Surely enough, Jesus pulls the 12 aside for this teaching moment. And he, what? It's time for Jesus to address the issue because he knows what's happening. What does he say? He says, anyone who wants to be first must be, what? The very last and the servant of all. To which I think that the disciples had to ask themselves, how is being last being first? And why would I want to serve someone why would i want to serve anybody that's jesus i did not sign up to serve i signed up to rule with you that's what i signed up for the disciples are probably asking themselves this question we didn't sign up jesus to be somebody's servant you see here the greek word used in this context For the word servant is the Greek word diakonos. I love the the way that sounds, diakonos. In fact, this word is translated as the word deacon in other parts of the New Testament. So simply to say a deacon is someone who is what? A servant. A servant. Now, in its truest sense, the the concrete sense of this word is threefold, okay? Okay. So this word diakonos, the concrete sense of this word is threefold. So, so number one, it first means this. It means to wait on tables. Isn't that interesting? To wait on tables. It means, number two, to care for. And number three, of course, to serve. I want to talk about this first meaning, though, which means to wait on tables. Because what do you call your waitress when you go to that swanky place known as Applebee's or or? or luckies. What does do the waitress or what does the host say when you walk into Welcome to Applebee's. And then you get seated and they'll say this, your server will be with you in just a few moments. Huh, your server. And what does the server do? They wait on tables. Your server is there. What? they serve you food they serve you drink and they're there to make sure that your dining experience is what is satisfactory and that, that you have an overall good experience and listen the best servers i don't know about what you this is my opinion but i think the best servers are friendly right the best servers know the menu i i'm so annoyed when servers do not know the menu cuz you want a suggestion and you're like hey how, how, like, tell me about the prime rib sandwich. Tell me about the chicken, right? And they're like, I'm a vegan, sir, so I don't really know. You're like, oh, that's, oh, that's terrible. That's, uh, that's absolutely horrible. You're a vegan. Wow, that's, okay, no suggestions. This is great, right? I want, I want a server who knows the menu, who's tried it. I, I love it when a server says, oh, man, I love, the, I love the, the cowboy burger. Oh, it's my favorite. You're like, really? Tell me about the cowboy burger right? Yeah, they know the menu, right? The best servers are very attentive to all of your dining needs. And I, I love the servers that, that they'll come around and they'll refill your drink before you ask. Come on, somebody, right? I love that. It, even if it's just water, okay? Even if it's just water, they're like, it's like oh, I wasn't even asking. This is amazing. I love it. Wow. You are such a great server. Do we have any um, uh, Chick-fil-A fans in here this morning? Any Chick-fil-A fans? <laughs> Wow, okay. A, okay, I was enthusiastic, right? Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I can recover from that. Wow, that's good. <laughs> let, me, let me just say this about Chick-fil-A. I'll say a couple of things. I love the chicken sandwiches. God bless the chicken sandwiches. They are good. Not going to lie, I love the, lo, love the chicken sandwiches. Um, I love the waffle fries. Can I love somebody? The waffle fries are excellent, by the way. But can I just tell you, can I be honest with you, that there is, I love... There's something more that I love there at Chick-fil-A. I love the dining experience at Chick-fil-A. I know that's kind of crazy, but let me just tell you why. Because when you go to Chick-fil-A, the staff at Chick-fil-A, when you order your food and then they bring it out to you, I mean, they'll bring it out to your table, which is phenomenal, in my opinion, for a fast food joint, okay? They bring it out to your table, and when you say thank you, which you should say thank you because you're, you're a Christian, hello, come on, and when you say thank you for the food, Instead of saying, you're welcome, what do they say? My pleasure, yes! I, don't, I, I love that. I don't know why, what it is, but I, I love that when the service says, my pleasure. I'm like, your, your pleasure? <laughs> it's, it's your pleasure to give me that chicken sandwich? Are you serious? Wait, it's your pleasure to give me that shake? Wait, your, it's your pleasure to serve me some more waffle fries? Well, hallelujah, someone. This is great. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to order something else because I want to hear again that it's your pleasure to serve me. It's your pleasure to serve me. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay? That's amazing, right? Now, listen. L- let's think about this. Have you ever had a bad server, right? We've, we've all had those. I know, don't, don't. We might have a server in here, so we've got to be gentle. We've got to be nice, okay? But listen, we've all had bad servers, and those simply, I'll just simply say this, those those are usually people that are not very attentive to your needs. Now, I understand everybody's and everyone's hiring right now. I get that, right? I mean, everyone. And, you know, some people are short-staffed, and I get that, and there's grace for that, right? But sometimes in certain situations, there are just servers who, they just are not really interested in serving you, and they've made that clear <laughs> the moment that you sit down, right? You see, let's think about this context right here because... For the Greeks of that day, and this this is a Greco-Roman society, service was undignified. Okay, service was undignified in that in that society in that first century Greco-Roman world. In fact, the Greeks believed that they were born to rule, not to serve. In so many ways, to serve again was undignified. Serving only acquires value when it promotes individual development. What does that mean? In other words, it means this, that you would only serve someone when it was beneficial for yourself, when there was some sort of benefit for you. So in that day, in that age, to serve someone else was uh, was extremely counterculture. It was almost an insult to serve someone else. And, and this is, and into this culture is where Jesus speaks this statement. If you want to be first, you need to be the very, he says the very last, which is wow. Right? If you want to be great, you must be a servant. What is, what is Jesus actually answering here? He, he's answering the question of Significance. he's answering the question of how to be great. If you want to be great, you got to be a servant, serve others. If you want to have significance, you need to be the last, right? That's the message of Jesus here. And to illustrate this principle, Jesus takes a child, puts his arms around him and and, and, and here's what you need to know about children in this day and age. Again, children in this day and age in ancient Israel and in the ancient world as a whole, children had little value, very, very, I mean, it was like subhuman value, to be honest with you. And um, they were not valuable. They were not seen as precious in people's eyes. They were almost like a nuisance. They, they got in the way. That was That's why in the Gospels, when the children come to Jesus, the disciples are trying to push them away because it's like, oh, get these creatures away from you, Jesus. Like, it's like, ah, right? They had little value in the eyes of people. They had no power. They were considered the lowliest element in society. And I want you to think about this. Even today, even today, children have no power, right? And they're extremely needy. Think of the, the newborn baby. They are 100%. They are completely dependent upon their parents, This is why Jesus takes a child. And in the ancient world or in the Bible, a child is both a symbol of innocence and helplessness. Vulnerability. So Jesus takes a little child into his arms, right? And what does he say? Verse 37, we'll put it back on the screen. It says this, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name, Welcomes me. This, this, what is he saying? This, this vulnerable one, this helpless one, this, this small child who, in in ancient Israel, in the ancient world, has no value to anyone, right? It, seen as a nuisance, seen as just being in the way. Jesus takes them and says, "If you welcome a little, a little child, you, in my name, right? Whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who." sent me. Now, what does it mean to welcome or to receive? Jesus is actually saying, if you welcome someone, it means to be concerned about, to give care for, to show kindness to you. That's, that's what Jesus is trying to, to do here, or trying to say. So he's saying, when you, when, you, when you care about one of these little ones, when you show kindness to one of these little ones, when you, when you show concern, you do so in my name, and you do so as if Jesus is doing it Himself. In other words, when, when, when we serve one another, when we serve the lost, because that's essentially what we do so many times, we serve the lost. When, when we serve other people, when we serve the helpless, when we serve uh, uh, the more vulnerable, we're, we we want to do so in Jesus' name, and we want And when we're doing it, we're doing it as what? As Jesus Himself would do it. He would be a. He was. He was a servant. He would be a servant. In fact. In, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus tells his disciples, whoever wants to be great, what, must become a servant. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Again, you want to be first, you have to be very last. If you want to be great, you should serve others. You should become a servant. Again, what is Jesus answering the, the question to? The, the question is this, how do I become great? How do I attain significance in this lifetime? I want significance. I want to be noticed. I want to be needed. Jesus says that's that's fantastic. So Jesus needs to reframe how we do this because the disciples don't understand, and let me argue this, that we don't understand either. So many of us are still looking at our accomplishments to make us feel significant. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. But you're still... Looking to your accomplishments, to how you find achievement. Some of us, we love Jesus, we love the God, we love the Lord. We're still trying to sell the most, more than anyone else. That, that's that's what I want more. This month we're going to have a hot, top sales in our region. That's how we're trying to find, you know, importance or be needed. Maybe for some of us, we're we're still trapped in the money trap. I, 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 we're going to make, we're going we're gonna to make more than we did last year. I'm not going to give anything, but I'm going to make more. No. You need Jesus to reframe your thinking, and that's what he's doing here. Jesus is saying, no, no, it's none of those things, actually. It's not how much you sell. It's not your achievements. It's not your accomplishments. It's not how attractive you are or or you think you are. It's not the car that you drive. It's it's none of those things. Jesus says, listen, if you want to be great, become a servant. And then we say, wait, no, 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 I didn't, that's, no, no, Jesus, no, 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 I don't want to do that wait a second, tell me about my sales again, tell me about what do I have to do, tell me about how I have to be on stage looking glamorous, tell me about how I can make some more money, tell me about how I can start that side hustle, tell me about how I can have a following on TikTok, tell me about how I can have more followers on Instagram, tell me about how I can be recognized in my community, tell me about how I can be number one in the culture, tell me about how I can have more social media followers than anyone else. I want to know about that. Jesus says, no, no, you're not listening. I want you to become a servant, and so many, so many Christians are like, wow. "What? What is it? I didn't read that. Did you read that? Wait, is that. I guess that's what it says." <laughs> and we're still looking towards other things. And Jesus is answering the question: If you want significance, become a servant. If you want to feel needed, become a servant. Let me let me spend the rest of our time together. And I just want to make three statements about serving that I hope will help you, okay? Number one is this. Jesus was the model servant, okay? Jesus was the model servant, okay? John chapter 13, we see Jesus modeling servanthood by what? By washing his disciples' feet. And at first, Peter wants no part of that, uh, but then Jesus explains that it is necessary. Let's look at John 13 beginning in verse number 14 it says this Jesus is speaking by the way now that I now that I your lord and teacher have washed your feet he says this you also should wash one another's feet and then Jesus says this i have set you an example that you should do as i have done for you jesus is like i'm the example i'm the servant Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, this is what Jesus says, you will be blessed if you do them. And I'm going to come back to that line, by the way, you will be blessed if you do them. But let me just say this. We know that in the first century, they, they did not wear shoes as we wear shoes today. They wore sandals. Their feet were exposed, of course, and because they wore sandals, their, their feet were exposed to the elements, to the dirt, you know, to the muck, to the grime, and um, at the end of the day, I mean, your feet were, were, were dirty. Now, I'm not really a feet fan as it is, okay? Not a feet fan, and uh, but your feet, being at the, the, the lowest part of your body, also, for the most part, become, what, the dirtiest part of your body, Right? And so Jesus is showing what a humble servant is by what? By washing the feet of his disciples. And, and then he says this, that we should do likewise, that we should be servants as well, that we should do what? The lowliest things if, we're, if it is required of us that that indeed is what? What it means to be great. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. The, the Tesla, Jesus, the, the, the Tesla, remember that one? The money... The, 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 the sales, the, the TikTok videos that get, you know, 200,000 hits or whatever it is. Jesus says, no, none of that. It's being a servant. And I love what he says. If you can, Beth, if you'll put that last verse that you just had up. Thank you. It says this, now that you know these things, he says, you will be blessed if you do them. That's amazing. This leads me to my second statement on serving. And it's this, both the one who is served and the one who serves is blessed. Isn't that amazing? Jesus says that when you do these things, you are blessed. You, you, you receive a blessing, right? We think that when we serve, uh, and, and, this, and it is true, but we, we, we sometimes we focus in on this too much. We think that we're going to be the blessing to someone else, right? Oh, I'm going to go to their home, and I'm going to deliver the meal. Oh, it's just, I'm <laughs> no big deal. I know. I'm great. Whatever, you know. Like, hey, okay. hey, you know, I can't help it. And, and we think we're, we're, we're being the blessing to them, but but some, so often what happens is that we're the ones who are blessed by serving. We're the ones who are blessed. In 2015, we were in Grand Rapids. We were living in Grand Rapids, and I remember serving with um, the youth group at Calvary Church, group of um, as middle schoolers and high schoolers, and and we served downtown Grand Rapids, and we were doing a local outreach, and so we, we were serving the homeless community in Grand Rapids. Okay, and uh, we were passing out uh, basically these brochures to invite them. Later that night, we were going to have a free movie night, and at the free movie night, we were going to have free popcorn, free drinks, free fruit, and all it was. And it was a hot, it was a hot day in the middle of the summer. So we were going to have air conditioning in that, in that facility, and it was just a, a chance to, for these homeless people to, to get a break from the hot sun because, you know, it's brutal, and it was a chance for us to serve them. So uh, we invite them to this movie night uh, later that evening, and, and sure enough, many of them come, and we're serving popcorn, and we're serving pop and, and drinks and fruit. It was awesome. It was awesome. And I remember meeting a, 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 a gentleman and he had lost his vision in one eye from glaucoma, which, by the way, that's preventable, right? And his teeth were, well, many of them were missing, if I can be honest. And if I can really be honest, he, he looked a bit rough. When he smiled, I mean, there was like a, lots of gaps, if you know what I mean. There's, there's like, you know, he's doing this because he can't see in one eye. And then we, sit, I, he, we sat at a table together to talk. And this guy's just smiling biggest smile, best attitude in the world, like, just cheerful. He's awesome, and I don't remember his name, unfortunately, but we sit down, and and, and I I just want to hear his story. I just want to hear his story, like, what have you gone through? What are you facing, right? What What are your challenges? And, you know, he's telling me about all these things, and here's this guy. He has so many obstacles, right? I mean, he's blind in one eye missing all kinds of teeth and But he's so full of hope. He's so full of joy because um, he's discovered or he he recently found out that he's going to be able to to receive medical attention to the other eye and and for his teeth. So he's just happy. He's smiling. I mean, just the most cheerful guy. And can I just tell you that that put things in perspective for me? I'm like, "What, what do I really have to complain about? I thought of all the problems that I thought I had, and I just was like, oh, God pathetic. It's pathetic. Here's this guy, has all these overwhelming obstacles, right? And, and yet, he's just so full of joy. I thought I was there to bless him. In reality, he was there to bless me. I received the blessing that evening. Why? Through serving. That evening, I discovered, I found out what it meant to be Great. To serve someone else in a low, in a, we could say a lowlier position. And that evening I discovered that both the person who serves and the one who's being served is blessed. That's why Jesus says in John 13, the one who does these things is blessed, right? We think so often that we're gonna be the blessing. We think that we're gonna make the 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 difference. And, And yes, it's true that we do make a difference, of course. Absolutely, right? We come to give, but we leave having received, right? And that's a secret, part of the secret of life, right? We think that the secret of life is to consume more and more and more, to get all that we can. And Jesus is trying to say to his church, to his disciples, no, 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 listen, it's when you give your life away. It's when you give of yourself that you what? You experience fulfillment and blessing and And so much of the American church is still trying to get. And Jesus is saying, you're getting it wrong. It's when you give. It's when you give of yourself. It's when you open up your hand. Give financially to the kingdom of God. That's when you receive. That's when you live. And so many of us are still trying to do what the rest of the world is trying to do. And we wonder why we're not happy. We wonder why we're not satisfied. Doing it all the wrong way. Jesus says, you want to be great? Become a servant. This is my last statement for this morning on giving is this, every believer, every believer, every believer, every believer, every believer should use his gift to serve others. Every believer, every believer, every believer, every believer, every single believer, every follower of Jesus, every believer should use his gift, use her gift to serve others. Every believer... Can you tell which I'm what I'm emph- emphasizing here, right? Believer, every believer, yep, every believer, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, every believer. Only pastors, no, that's not what it says. Every believer, only the worship leader, nope, every believer, every believer. First Peter four eight through ten says this. Peter talking, remember Peter, 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 the guy who's rebuked, the guy who's called Satan. <laughs> that's hilarious. He says this above all. Peter got it. Peter gets it here, doesn't he? This is, this is after Peter. the light bulb went on for Peter, right? Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use, in the Greek that means each of you, by the way, each of you use whatever gift you have received to what? To serve others. But as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. Man, that's amazing. Peter, he's come a long way, hasn't he? Peter came a long way. He really did. Have you ever heard of the Pareto Principle, anybody? Pareto Principle? No? you probably heard of it like this, the 80-20 Principle. I'm sure you heard of this, the 80-20 Principle. It's commonly known. The 80-20 Principle is this. It simply means this. It means that um, it states that 80%, or I should say this, 20% of the people do 80% of the work in any organization, okay? Or you can say it like this, that that 80% of the outcome is a a result of 20% of those doing the input. That's true for most organizations. It's also true of the local church, okay? And this is, I'm not even saying this to beat you up. It's not even that all, not at all, so... You're like, oh, crap, I don't serve. <laughs> I could see the look on some of your faces. I'm not, I'm not even saying that to beat you up, though, honestly. But it's true for any organization. It's true for the church as well. And Let me just say this, though. When you have 20, only 20% of the body of Christ, what you have essentially is a leg walking around on its own. It's odd, very odd. But what you need is the rest of the body to make it a full body to what? To begin to walk, to begin to talk, to begin to move. Don't maybe do the robot up here. Don't even make me, okay? And so, twenty percent of the body doing eighty percent of the work is essentially like a leg flopping around on stage. That's odd, isn't it? I know. When you have twenty percent of the body doing eighty percent of the work, what happens as well is it, you you get you get the burnout factor, right? And 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 I understand some people they burn out, and so they ah oh, you know, Pastor, I gotta take a season off because. You know, I'm just burnt out on serving. I'm like, okay. But let me just say this. That's not the norm, okay? That's, that's really not the norm. The norm is actually every believer using his gift to serve others. That's the norm, right? Every believer. Every believer. Every who? Believer, right. Every believer using his or her gift to what? To serve others. People, let me just say this. It takes about 30 volunteers, uh, over a little over 30 volunteers, to make a Sunday work here. That includes all the worship team, that all the production team in the back, sound, slides, media, video, camera operator, ushers, greeters, all the children's workers, those who get here early to unlock the doors. It's about 32. And can I just say, that's kind of squeezing by, to be honest with you. That's kind of squeezing by, right? We're barely making it. And let me just tell you, in a perpetual COVID world, I was going to call it a post-COVID world, but I'm sure there'll be the the Sigma variant and then the, you know, and I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying that's just the nature of it, I think, what, what we're experiencing in this world. Everything has changed, by the way, post-COVID. Every, everything has changed. I don't, think we're, I don't think we're done seeing the end of these variants, by the way. But here's the thing. You get a little sniffle and people kind of get worried, right, and then they... They call in, they can't serve, and then all of a sudden you got six kids workers who are unable to show up on a Sunday morning. And then what do you have? You have all these parents with all these kids, and they can't be what served. And then you get people who are saying, "Ah, oh, I just you know I want Pastor Mark. I really want to go to a church where they got where they got kids ministry." Ah, uh, okay, all right. Oh, I just really want to go to a church where they have this, where they have, you know, 40 small groups. <sighs> I do too. <laughs> but when you got 20% of the body doing 80% of the work, you get about three or four small groups maybe, right? It's not, I'm not even trying to beat you up. I'm just, this is a matter of fact, actually, okay? In fact, let me just, let me, again, let me just thank you for serving Those of you who serve, we we appreciate you. We love you. In fact, on November 14th, we're going to have another Team Radiant night, and we're going to spoil you, and we're going to celebrate you and honor you. Mark your calendars. There will be more information about that, obviously. My my, my thing is with this, you guys, is that serving is an unselfish decision with huge benefits. Why? Because Jesus said himself, when you do these things, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. You will be blessed. Why? Because you're starting to live out who you were truly meant to be. And you were meant to be. I promise you, you were meant to be a servant. That's, that's who you were meant to be. I know some of you are like, ah. You were meant to be a servant, though. That's when you became new in Jesus Christ, he wired you that way. In fact, even before you knew Jesus Again, you were trying to do the money, you were trying to to do the, 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 the TikTok followers, social media prestige, whatever it is, and that was never fulfilling. Why? Because Jesus says, listen, when you serve others, that's where the blessing happens. That is living out who you were truly meant to be, right? You were truly meant to be. So yeah, you know what? I'll be honest. We're we are looking for more volunteers. We're looking for more servants. Go to our website, fill out an application. We need you. This is not even a, this is not even a a a, a statement about saying, hey, I'd love you to serve. I'm just going to say it. We need you. Like we just need you. It's needed. And and again, it's just that it's that perpetual COVID world that we live in right now. It's just that we need more volunteers. We, in fact, let me just say it like this, you guys. In order for um, Radiant Church to have an increased impact on our community, we need more than just a leg flopping around on stage. We need the whole body contributing, right? It's all of us, every single one of us, right? Every single one of us. Let me just wrap things up this morning by saying this, and we're almost done here. The primary way that Jesus came to serve was by taking the sin of the world upon himself going to the cross and giving his life in place of ours. Jesus says this in John or I'm sorry, in Mark chapter 10 verse 45 for the son of man did not come to be served. He didn't come to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom Jesus came to what? To serve and to give. The servant king came to serve and to give. And what he asked, what he's calling for is his body to do likewise. His body to do likewise. If we're gonna be a city on a hill, Jesus needs the church to do likewise. If we're gonna be the church that never shuts its doors, which we're not going to shut our doors. We need to do likewise to serve and to give of our lives. To serving The servant king did that, and we are called to do likewise. We're called to do likewise. And if this is convicting for some of you, well, you know what? Then it needs to be convicting for some of you. It's okay. This is what Jesus has called us to do. This is what Jesus has called Radiant Church to to be a what? a servant-hearted church. You know what the opposite of a servant-hearted church is, or a servant-hearted organization? is an entitled person, entitled organization, a consumeristic culture, which is, that's what, you know, much of Western society is known for, consumeristic, consumeristic Christianity. I just go, I receive, give me the Christian chair, give me, give me, give me, I want, I'm just going to lean back, and You do all the hard work. Oh, preacher, that was okay. That message was just okay. Oh, that worship band. They didn't didn't have a drummer this morning. You see that? Oh, that's because we need someone to drum. Imagine that. We need a servant. Right? Jesus, the servant king, has come to give and to serve, and we are called to do Likewise, Jesus laid down his life for us upon that cross, taking our sins upon himself, dying in our place. And listen, now we're called to follow him and to serve others and to give of ourselves. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you so much. And God, I just pray, Lord, that we would be a a servant-hearted church. God, I get it. There's a lot of excuses. We're busy. We're too involved. And we've got 100,000 sports teams we belong to. I get it, Lord. My prayer is that, God, that you would speak to some of our hearts this morning, God. God, that we would become a servant-hearted church. We have so many wonderful servants here, God. But, God, in order for us to have an increased impact, I know that you're calling more of us to be servants here in this local body, God, to shine a light for Jesus in this community, God. And so, God, would you shape us into servants, God? Would you show us what it means to be great? God, would you show us what it means to have significance? God, it's not the money, it's not the sales, it's not the material possessions. God, show us that what it truly means, God, is to be a servant, Lord. God, would would, would that just unlock in some of us this morning, So many Christians are still looking to other things, God. It's so clear in your word, God, what it is to be great, what it means to have significance, what it means to be important. God, you've clearly said it, God. Let us hear it, though. God, let those who have ears hear this morning, God. May your message just permeate our hearts, God. Change us from the inside out. God, and show us that those who do so will... Be blessed. We thank you for it this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's clap our hands for Jesus this morning, church.